few months ago at work, I received some news from my boss about this overseas training that I received, uh, that I'll be receiving to go to Japan. Uh, this training is conducted in Japan, which means that I am going overseas training on company expenses, which basically translates to it's a free trip to Japan. Right? And two months ago, we heard the good news that PM Lee said during the National Day Rally that we can take off our mask and walk around, whether indoors or outdoors. The only time when we need to wear a mask is only in public transport and also hospitals, wherever the medical clinics are. And in two days, a few weeks ago, we learned that in two days, uh, tourists or travelers will be able to enter Japan without a visa, um, without any PCR test. And that is also technically good news. Uh. As you might know, I really like to go to Japan. Uh. I think Singaporeans really like to go to Japan. So that is, this is what good news is, right? But this is not the good news that I'm standing here to preach today, right? So good morning, everybody. Our sermon topic today is preaching the good news. Everyone loves to preach loves to receive good news. Like, who doesn't like to receive good news, right? Especially when it's a good news of something that is free. Nowadays, we like to scroll through Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Telegram, whatever information sources we have, and then we'll find one-for-one -one deals, or we find discounts, find promotions. And sometimes in Singapore, we like to call this a lobang, right? We like to share the good news with one another, right? So there are many different types of good news out there. So for example, when we talk about some good news, we talk about good news of good health. So for example, somebody that is sick, you, he is like ill, and the good news of good health will make you like feel good, right? Next, we talk about the good news of your work, the uh, hard work of paying off, right? Your hard work paying off. So, for example, a sense of comfort where you know that you have succeeded in like, whatever you're doing, working hard for, let's say for an exam or for a job interview. Next, we talk about good news of restrictions being lifted. So, for example, we talk about how last month PMD said that we don't need to wear masks. It's a restriction. Now, we have this good news to have this sense of liberty and freedom. And finally, we talk about good news of safety, knowing that somebody is safe. And for example, when somebody, uh, when you go out with your friends or family, right? Or let's say you go overseas, I'll send a message back. Hi, I am safe. I have landed safely. Or when you go out, my parents will message me. Hey, how come so late already? How come you never come back? Right? So they want to know that you are safe, right? This is the good news that you are safe. This is a sense of knowing someone that is safe and not in danger. So today we want to discuss what is the good news that Christians preach. So this is our scripture text that, is, that this sermon is based on. We read in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 and 2, starting from verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. 
The prophet Isaiah has been anointed, chosen by God, to preach good tidings to the people of Israel. It is said that this preaching of good tidings includes the binding up of broken-hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to comfort all that mourn, to proclaim the acceptable year of the God. This was one of his goals as a prophet to the people of Judah at that time. We also see this verse repeated in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 22. Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and read the same verse from the book of Isaiah. Read from Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And then he delivered unto him book, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to hear the brokenhearted, to preach the deliverance to the captives, and recovering the of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He ended by saying that this scripture is fulfilled in your ears, which means that Jesus is saying that this passage also applies to him. It applies to the gospel that he is preaching during his ministry that we receive as Christians. Today, let us analyze this gospel of Christ and learn more about this good news that he is preaching. So let us take a deeper look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Right? So we can see a few underlined words. To hear the brokenhearted, to preach the deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, set liberty to them that are bruised. Let us dissect this verse part by part to see what are the different parts of the gospel of God that, that God anointed Jesus to teach to us, to preach to us, and how it applies to us today. So first, we talk about the good news that heals. Talk about good news that heals. Sickness and disease has been around from a very, very long time ago. Anyone would, if anyone would be able to hear any disease or sickness, that would sound like a very good news. So many miracles did Jesus did to heal the sick at that time. We read in the gospel accounts about how the people in the area of Jesus' ministry would go to such lengths just to meet this great physician that can cure any sickness. For example, we talk about the centurion's servant. When Jesus entered into the place of Capernaum, there was a centurion asking him to heal his servant. Then another one, the next one, we talk about... Uh, Apparently, touching his clothes also healed people. We see in Matthew chapter 14, verse 34 to 36, that everybody in the land was trying to come to meet this Jesus that says that just touching his clothes, you'll be healed of any illness. And finally, we talk about Jesus healing the paralytic in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Verse 1 to 12. Maybe we go through this, uh, this account together. Read from chapter, chapter 2, verse 1 
And then again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straight away, many gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them, no, not as much about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bring one sick housely, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed therein, the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there, there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take thy bed and walk. But ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of palsy. I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thine way unto thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it in this fashion. So there's one thing in common uh, in these three examples. When people heard this good news that Jesus is in their area, they made an effort to go find him. We take a note in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 35, we talk about the touching his clothes, uh, touching his clothes here, verse 35, that the good news spreaded that the good news spread that Jesus is in the area and they went out to the, the whole country, came and tried and meet him just to touch his coats uh, to get healed. Brought to him all that are sick. In the case of the paralytic, the four men went through the extra mile. They go up to the roof, they open the roof, they lay their friend down, bring it down to Jesus so that their friend can be healed. Jesus did many miracles and signs during his ministry on earth. He healed many people and became what they call him a great physician, what we call him the great physician. But was his gospel really to come to earth physically to heal those who are sick? And how does this apply to us? Jesus isn't here anymore. We cannot touch his clothes and get cured. We cannot touch his clothes and get cured. We are not sick also. We are blessed with good health. And even if we are how is this gospel going to help us recover from sickness? So does this gospel really heal us? In Mark chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, after the account of hearing, hearing the paralytic, we see Jesus being accused of eating and drinking with sinners. We read, And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at the meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with the publicans and sinners? When Jesus said it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When Jesus, Jesus went eating with the sinners, the sinners and publicans unsick physically. However, they are sick spiritually. They are sick with sin. 
We look again at Mark chapter 2, verse 17. We see what Jesus said again one more time. They that have are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick, right? So he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came to bring sinners to repentance, to bring people who are sick with sin, to help them heal from sin, from their sin. Then why is he doing all this healing and miracles on earth then? There's no need to do this. He could just come and preach by his words. He just preach his gospel through his words only. You don't have to do anything. You don't need to do all his miracles. Well, the book of John did summarize the reason that Jesus did all these signs and miracles. We read in John chapter 20, verse 30, 30 to 31. Many other signs did Jesus truly, truly, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing ye might have life through his name. Sickness and disease, when it reach a terminal condition, sometimes ends in death. It's similar to this disease called sin. We do not, if we do not heal from sin, we do not recover from this disease, we will die in our sin. So Jesus came to bring sinners to repentance, to heal the sinners from this disease of sin, so that we might live. But how do we do that? It is true the good news of Jesus Christ that we are healed from this disease of sin. Now we talk, move on to the next point, the next part of this good news, that this is a good news that directs. See in the verse, recovering of the sight to the blind. This is the good news that directs. No one likes to be lost. I think it's pretty bad news that to be lost, right? Last time, long ago, I was lost in a mall. Right? And good news is that I was found. Right? <laughs> I like to believe that I have a pretty good sense of direction. Uh. But even I, right, even though I if I get overconfident, I will still get lost, even with such a good sense of direction. Man, I think it's even worse if you get lost in the dark. Right? You can't see anything, you can't see any landmarks to guide your way. There's, you can't see anything that will help you to direct your paths, right? So let us look to the gospel accounts to see what good news that Jesus uh, said had affected the people at that time. We look to the account of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. We talk about this. Uh, Zacchaeus, chief among the publisher, uh, publicans, he was rich. Uh, and we take a look at chapter... Luke chapter 19, and then we focus on verse 8 to 10. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false, uh, false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was lost. What was he lost to? He was lost in the darkness of sin. You see in verse 8 that if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I report him, uh, I will restore him fourfold. This implies that he has taken more than he needs. And, and not only that, it's through his false 
accusations. He was in sin. And after he met Jesus, he met the light. And he repented. Jesus, in uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, we see, read again, you see that for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. This is his good news. It's the news to direct us, right? This news to direct us who are lost and lost to sin so that he can find us and he can save us from this darkness that is sin. He knows the way, the way away from our sin for he is the way, the truth, and the life. We read, read that in John chapter 14, verse 6. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he also tells us the way that we should go. We read in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14, Enter in a straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And there that, and many there be go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that that find it. In life, sometimes we fear that we are lost without any direction. We look around us to see the darkness of sin in the world. However, this gospel that Jesus preached is the light that directs our path to lead us away from wandering into the darkness of sin. And now, this guide is in our hands as the perfect word of God. Talk about the Bible. You see, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, or in righteousness, that the man may, of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, true unto all good works. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. And finally, we read in Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, Trust in the God, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Right? Brethren, this is the good news of this is the gospel of Christ. The good news that directs us to the way of the way to Christ, which directs us away from sin. Jesus has preached to us the good news that makes the blind to see. The good news that directs the person who was lost in darkness into the marvelous light of God. Now we move on to the next part of this good news. We talk about this good news that comforts. We look back to the verse at, we see the verse at Luke chapter 4 verse 18, we see, to set liberty them that are bruised. This is the good news that comforts. Everybody face sadness and sorrow, suffering and worries, right? We work very hard and sometimes we don't get the results we want. We are chained to this sense of worry when we work hard for exam or work hard for a job interview, right? And waiting for the results to come back good, you know? Eventually, the good news comes and this wave of belief, this wave of comfort fears your emotions. You know that you did a good job, right? Maybe you're going through a tough time, you know, filled with suffering and grief, like uh, national service, uh, and you wish that it will pass. Finally comes the good news that there is an end of this phase of suffering that you are experiencing. You look forward to see the end goal and you are comforted by the fact 
that everything will eventually pass and you continue to endure this pain and suffering. We looked at the parable that Jesus shared during his ministry while he was proclaiming his good news. Talk about this parable about the Lazarus and the rich man. Here we take a look at Lazarus and rich man. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. I think there's a typo. We're going to read the whole thing. Verse 19 to 31. Starting from verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed scrumptiously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he said, and cried, and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receive thy good things, likewise, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass hence to you cannot, neither they can pass to us. That would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, send him, as in referring to Lazarus, send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto them, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the apostles, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. From this parable, we see that Lazarus, this beggar, this man full of suffering, who laid at the rich man's gate to see the rich man eat so much food, and his body full of sores, at a wild dog lick. I don't know if you lick your own sores before, but I think it's pretty painful. Huh? And eating only crumbs from the table of the rich man. From, the, uh, from this account, we see that both the rich man and Lazarus died. One was buried and one was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. You look to verse 25. Uh, but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Jesus here in this account gives us a glimpse of what will happen after we die. Right? He shows us an image of a place of rest, a place of comfort that is possible after this tough life on earth. This is the good news. right? This is the end goal that we want, the end goal that we should look forward to. Until the end goal, because we are still living here on earth, is there anything for us? Is there any good news for us? Of course, there are good news for us. Yes, until our end goal, Jesus has promised that he will take care of us and release, relieve us of all our worries. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 26 to 30, 
It reads, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my light, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We read in Matthew chapter 6, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 34. Actually, the whole, the whole sermon is from chapter, verse 25 to 34, but today we will focus on verse 31 to 34. Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we clothe? For these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought of the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for itself, sufficient unto the day, the evil thereof. Hmm. Next we see in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6-7, to be anxious for nothing. Chapter 6, Paul writing to the church in Philippi, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes through all your understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer wrote, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 to 6, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things ye have for he has said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will feel not what men shall do unto me and of course we read in the book of Psalms we read the Lord is my shepherd this psalm of comfort where King David talked about how the Lord is his shepherd and the Lord will comfort him and provide for everything that he needs. Now we'll move on to the next part of what this good news uh, has, right? The next part, we talk about this good news that delivers. This is the good news that delivers. Now if we think back to the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, right? We see the other side of the place of comfort. We see where the rich man went to. We see a glimpse of hell. The rich man is suffering in punishment because of his actions in life. Right? If Lazarus was the good end that we want, the rich man is the bad end that we don't want. The rich man was sick with sin and he was blind to the directions that were taught by Moses and the prophets and how he has reached, and now he has reached his bad end after his death. This is bad news, isn't it? Right? If we don't do something, we'll just end up like the rich man in the story, reaching a bad end in eternal punishment. So brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do to avoid this punishment to be delivered? Eh? To be delivered from this punishment of hell? This is the same question that the men at the day of Pentecost asked, who were pricked in their heart. They asked during the time of Pentecost after Peter's first sermon, who preached and asked, let us go to the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 41 to figure out what did Peter reply the man. We read from verse 37. 
Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, that ye shall, be, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. And that they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added to him, added unto them about three thousand souls. This is the good news that Jesus was here to send to preach from God. In John chapter 11, verse 25 to 26, he said to Mary and Martha, they said to Mary, is Mary or Martha? Well, he said that he said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. That he believed, he that believed in me, though he were dead, he shall yet live. And whosoever believed in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? Eternal life. What else can be better news than eternal life? Right? That is the good news. That is the gift from God. In Romans chapter 6, verse 17 to 23, it reads, But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed the heart from the form of the doctrine which was delivered you. Then being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to the uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, Sorry, Romans chapter 6, verse 20. For when ye were the servants of sins, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof are ye now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and became, become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Through his teachings, through his gospel, through the good news that he was anointed to preach to us from heaven. Right? We see in John chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the good news that delivers us, that delivers us from the wages of sin. And now we know the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that is preached. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that heals us from sin, the good news that directs us away from sin, the good news that comforts us from griefs and sorrows, and the good news that delivers us from death. Now, what do we do with this? We already know all these things, right? We know that this is the good news. We as Christians have already accepted this good news through our baptism 
and we are gaining benefits from this good news. We read many times in the gospel account, in the book of Acts, to believe, to repent, to be baptized, and to be safe, just to be safe. We already receive this good news as Christians, right? We are healed from our sins through repenting and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We have the word of God to direct away, directs us away from our sin. We, through prayer, we have a direct communication with God, our Father, who is our shepherd that will comfort us from all pain and suffering. And finally, we await our, deliver, uh, our deliverance from our eternal punishment. To be with God in heaven. And that is our, that is the good news we have. So why don't we share it? Right? Share the good news. To preach the good news. Right? Share with other people. We all are under this benefit. We should share it. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We go back to the main text in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. We see in verse 19 to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what we need to do, brethren. This is our duty, our duty to preach the good news, just like how Jesus has been anointed to preach the gospel. He has anointed us to preach the good news. We read in Matthew chapter 8, 28, verse 18 to 20, which is the Great Commission. And Jesus came unto them, spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always until the end of the world. Jesus has used his appointment, his authority to anoint us as followers of Christ, to go and preach everything, right? To preach everything that we have learned from him, this, which includes this good news that he had preached at that time when he was here. We are to preach the good news. Now to my friends and visitors, now, I let you know now, is the acceptable year of the Lord. This time where God, whom we have offended through our sins, are willing to be reconciled with us and to forgive us of our sin and to save us from hell. But hey, you must say, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He said at that time that today is that at that day, 2,000 years ago, was the acceptable year of the Lord. Which means the acceptable year of the Lord was 2,000 ago. We were born too late to experience it. However, that is not the case. Right? You see, in, Luke, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to uh, 3, verse 8 to 9, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word. not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Friends and visitors, it is still the time, the acceptable year of the Lord. Our Lord God has been patient with us, not willing that any of us should receive the punishment, that we will be able to repent, to accept this good news. And friends and brethren, if you like to receive this good news, please stay back further. Study with one of our members on this good news to find out more details. 
right? To find out more details, to make a right decision today, to make sure you make the correct decision and accept this good news into your life. Thank you. There's a call come ringing, all the restless wait. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light, send the light. And a golden offering at the cross we lay. Send the light, send the light. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the